big welcome along to the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. It's a privilege to have you along. Nikki Spinks, how are you doing this evening? Yep, very good. Thank you very much. Thank you for yeah. joining us. This is a, um, one of the rare occasions where we're going to be putting this one out in video footage. So John always doesn't look quite as resplendent as he does this evening. <laughs> How are you, John? I'm good. I've got myself all dressed up. <laughs> and um, I've, you know what? I'm going to call it like it is. I'm a wee bit nervous, if I'm honest, speaking with Nikki. Nikki's been on our list. We've got a, we, do, we do have a list of guests we'd like to speak to. And, Nikki's been there for quite a wee while. So, yeah. Um, and it's one of the things that you might thought never might have happened. And then along comes Emma Stewart. And Emma Stewart very kindly had a, a word in Nikki's ear. And here we are. But I'll hand back to you, yeah. Stephen. To... Nikki, we always ask the same first question on the podcast and it's so that we can now a lot of people know about you and know about what you've achieved and done but there's actually some people who don't as well um who maybe be tuned in i know i know shock horror but we always ask people what got them into running what was the what, what lit the, the fire for nikki um well i think i was i was brought up on a farm in glossop and i was running just to go and get my horse in because it was quicker. I wasn't a runner, I just ran because it was quicker to do stuff around the farm. And then when I left that and not started an office job, I just put the weight on like I would because I'm not running anymore and I'm sat there eating snacks like you do. And I started running then. And I think I just continued that really until I met my husband who was a farmer. And when I started farming, I didn't need to run because you yeah you're just working all day um and there wasn't really the enjoyment you know there wasn't any reason to do it and then the t years went past and um in 2001 that foot and mouth year a friend of mine was doing um Leeds Abbey Dash like a little park run it was and I joined her for that and I think it just sparked it off again that I wanted to start running I wanted to feel that feeling that you get when you've you actually it all works everything works and you, and you feel light and free and you come back and you're all happy because you've just had a really good run um and yeah so I started it in about 2001 joined a club Peniston footpath runners um because they were a mixed club they did road cross country and then they were on the fells as well so it was quite a good you know base for me and that's when I learned all about training really because before before them I was just running three times a week same distance same route and obviously well not obviously but you don't get any better you just stay the same you do the same you just stay the same um and yeah and it was it was Peniston footpath runners that got me like they they introduced me to like longer fell races like the tr well the trigger is called now but miles to Edale 20 miles and um saunders the mountain marathons that are around the arm and then the, the bob graham because uh, andy Plummer was doing the bob graham and then and that's when well a big penny dropped that this is what i really wanted to do and it would be amazing if i could you know do a 24-hour round and that's where yeah so in 2005 i jumped straight in and attempted the bob graham and 
um, yeah, got around in 23 and a half without, you know, it, it was hard and I felt, no, there was lots of hard bits in it, but I always just knew I could do it. Um, yeah, so I suppose after that, I did the other Scottish round, the Welsh round, um, went, moved on to 100 mile races for a change, <laughs> went to Europe, <laughs> um, did some suffering, <laughs> learning all about 100 mile races. And then, yeah, just realised that I was getting faster and that I should try doing the records of the 24 hour rounds. So I sort of, I did those one after one each year um, and then got, and then went to longer. Like, so I started doing things like the double Bob Graham, which, well, really just, it's bit, that was in my head for quite a few years before I had the guts to really attempt it because it was Roger Bowmeister who was part of Dark Peak that had got, that had done the first one, I think, um, and did it in like 48 hours. So, well, he did it in 47 and a half, I think. Um, yeah, excuse me, Roger, if that's wrong. But yeah, so um, I don't know. What else do you want to know? Yeah. Oh, you can see John with wetted <laughs> appetite. Yeah, ready to pounce. So yeah. John. I think well, what I would like to do, there will be some of our listeners, Nikki, listening in going, rounds? What's, what's these rounds that Nikki's talking about? But, but quite recently, mm. we had after his Lakeland 100 victory in the summer, we had Andy Berry on talking about, Andy's obviously a big fan of the rounds and, and doing this, these type of events. You also mentioned a double. I mean, that really intrigues me as well. But could you, um, and you mentioned the Scottish, the Welsh and the, the Bob Graham, could you give us a, a brief intro to what the rounds actually are? Yeah, um, well, Bob Graham, they are named after the people that set them up. So, yeah, Bob Graham walks around 42 peaks in the Lake District for his 42nd birthday. And he did it within 24 hours and that became the challenge. Um, mm. And for many years, I think nobody really did it again, but now it's it's quite popular. And uh, yeah, it's 42 peaks, so it's about 66 miles and about, well, they say, everyone says 10,000 feet of climb. Um, but it, when you get on the hills, it's all distances and ascent really don't, you, you know, you can't measure them down to the exact mile and the meter. It's all more about time, which is why it's a 24 hour round. So that's the important mm -hmm. bit about it, uh, as well as going to all the tops that are on the list. And then the Welsh one's called Paddy Buckley and it's got 47 tops and being in Wales, it's a lot more gnarly. Um, that's how I sort of describe it. The, the navigation's gnarlier. You can't just, yeah, it's sort of just, no, there's no real easy section either. There's no like logical, not logical, but yeah, easy way to start and finish it. But Paddy Buckley's actually, um, very flexible about where you can start so you can actually start anywhere on that round to do that which gives people the option of doing it 
had to suit themselves. And then the Charlie Ramsey's um, 23 Munros and a, and a Munro that was demoted. So it's 24 mountains, but unfortunately, the fourth, the 24th one's not a Munro. Um, and yeah, that's just, that, that's so different because it's a lot less well known and a lot, hardly any paths on some of it. So you're just tramping up a big heathery thousand meter peak um, for like an hour and a half. So it's quite, quite different that one, more remote. And there's really only three sections. So the, that breaks it down. So these supporters have to be also more capable of supporting when you get onto the Charlie Ramsey because they've got seven hours to support you on some of them. Whereas the other two rounds have got more meeting points so that it's you know divided up into mm -hmm. say four or five sections. Um, I don't think we've ever had anybody as well qualified to give an introduction or description of what the rounds are. That was perfect, Nikki. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you so yeah, much no for that. Um, sorry, the side questions have started already, Nikki. Um, are any more challenging than the rest? Well, people always say this. I mean, the Bob Graham, I would say, is a good starter. <laughs> because it is, it's more well known, the support points are easier to get to. And I think most of it is on paths or all of it even now um, is on sort of paths that you can follow. Whereas the Paddy Buckley and the Charlie Ramsey, I would say is are as hard, but in different ways. Because mm -hmm. yeah, it's the, it's the, it's, sort of slippery rock on the Paddy Buckley that make it harder um, and then the Charlie Ramsey's hard because it's remote and you generally get a bit of rubbish weather somewhere up there <laughs> you know somehow welcome because to, welcome to yeah <laughs> or midges or clegs <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the hazards are high not that the midges or clegs will stop you from getting round and round but and slippery rock might not, but they just make life a lot more unpleasant for you and your supporters. Um, mm. Yeah. The the Ramsey round. Am I right in saying that you know that the bailout options are a bit less on that in terms of you know being able to get off the hill? Um, yeah, definitely. And that I mean, once the grey corries, you you sort of so remote, you might as well carry on and try to bail out. Um, mm. yeah. Sorry, too many questions. <laughs> um, so the Bob Graham round's easy. That's what I'm hearing, John. You get John. You get torn in about it as an intro. But, you know, <laughs> I'm keen to know though, and you, you did mention this that it came on your radar the rounds. But what lit your desire to go and do that in 24 hours? Was it just a a personal test for you to see if you could do it in 24 hours was it as simple as that yeah i mean it, they are challenges so there's no prizes um mm. and it was it was just to see if i could do it and the fact that i like tramping up big hills yeah and you've done <laughs> and it in I'm some good. you've done it in some style you i think you're the first person ever to hold the record for all the rounds at the same time is that correct yeah 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 Brilliant. Brilliant. And do them all, all under 20 hours as well. 
yeah. when I first did it. It's it's like the stuff of folklore you're speaking about. So like I said <laughs> at the start around about us being privileged to speak to you about it. Um, I know that John's, John gets, do you know the term up to high dough? Is that something you're familiar with? It's when you get quite excited during the day at the prospect of something that's maybe happening later on. Yeah. <laughs> so John's been up to high dough today. Um, he's, he's messaged me a few times. Um, but you, you mentioned the the double the double rounds, and is that just you know the next logical step after right? Okay, I've nailed all the rounds. I'm sub twenty for them all. What's um, up the level and, and and go for the doubles. It was it was a number of things really. I was finding going fast was getting harder. I mean, I'd done the records, but then Jasmine went round and whooped my ass with it. <laughs> you know, she she got all the records like a young, you know, like I think you know she deserved. Um, and I just. I don't know the the double Bob Graham because I'd read it in the little booklet from the Dark Peak. It was forty years of Dark Peak. There was a little extract in there, and I just thought, how about it was sort of a celebration of surviving ten years of cancer came round, and I wanted something to do. Um, I wanted something to do that highlighted the fact that I was still alive because when I had the cancer in two thousand and six, there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of good stories out there um, that, and I was searching for one, you know, to, to give me hope that I would survive. And so I sort of made it because I'm not usually a, a person that puts stuff out there so much, but I wanted to put it out there. So I wanted this film to be made about it. Um, and I wanted to raise money for the charity Odyssey that I support. <clears throat> so I sort of put my head on the line and said, um, you know, I'm going to do this, but I was very nervous about it because it was like t- twice as much as anything that I'd ever done before. Two nights without sleep and um, a lot of logistics, you know, organising the supporters and everything like that. But yeah, I just it was a magical sort of well magical weekend. I mean, obviously I had my highs and lows on the actual event, but the the weather was absolutely cracking for it. It was like that cold clear that I really like. I don't, you know, I'm not a hot person at all. I don't like the heat. So, um, yeah, every, things just went really right for me on that. My stomach was, I don't, well, I wasn't sick. I did suffer with sleep deprivation on, because I set off at mid, I set off on Friday night, um, Sunday morning when I'd gone through two nights without sleep. That really kicked in. That, that, so I had a little 10 minute sleep on Sunday morning and that that set me right again for another 16 hours I think yeah set me right again brilliant I love it I I also love the fact there Nikki that you said you were searching for a story and maybe you couldn't find one so you just went out and created your own but but you also invited along a film crew just to add that wee bit more pressure on as well but um fantastic and And a tracker yeah. Oh, the pressure of a tracker. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the world is watching. And you mentioned there about um, the charity Odyssey. Was that what you? Mm, yeah. Are you, st- are you still involved with that? Yeah. Do you want to say yeah. a bit about that? Yeah. So Odyssey um, provide holidays, little 
like week-long breaks for people that have had cancer and and they're outdoor instructors so you don't have to be you don't have to go climbing or abseiling or whatever um but you know they'll do yoga or pottery or whatever but I just thought having had the cancer it's so nice to talk to people that have had cancer as well because mm. you just have that same sort of understanding I mean people that don't have cancer they really try to understand you and help you but somehow when you've had the cancer you can talk you can talk the language really and you, um, you can have the same sort of jokes without it being like sensitive and things like that so I just really felt it was a great little charity to support um, so yeah I've supported them I met one of the instructors out on the Pyrenees in 2009, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, supported them since then. <clears throat> Brilliant. And uh, it wasn't a charity that I was familiar with. Um, and I'm going to look into them now. It sounds, you know, like they're doing a lot of great work and um, shout out to them as well, because sometimes just that awareness raising, um, you know, we'll pop a wee link in the show notes to their website and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. Point people in that direction. John, sorry, I came in on you. No, no, it's cool. It's cool. One of the things that always intrigues me, and we, we always like as well to give a shout out to partners, family, supporters that take place in these things. And you mentioned the word supporters a few times, Nikki, with regards to the rounds. And I think when we spoke to Andy Berry about this, I think he was saying you just put a message on a WhatsApp thing and people just offer themselves, you know, and it's obviously a it's a well known activity for people who are interested in that and everybody wants to be involved in supporting people. But how do you, Nikki Spinks, gather a team of supporters? Or how how did you back when you were doing that for these records, how did you gather a supporters then? Well, I think right from the first Bob Graham, it's all about giving and taking or asking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do I do a lot of support. Um, and in fact, apparently I've supported 55 successful Bob Grahams because oh. somebody in the Bob Graham Club, Emma actually told me this because somebody in the Bob Graham Club, they actually record how, you know, they now record uh-huh. who supports them because. Um, so, yeah, I was quite touched with that. but. Um, yeah, I've, I like I supporting and now I think I'm doing more supporting than because I'm not doing so many rounds myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's how I, I did it. I I think I are. Well, obviously, in 2005, I didn't hadn't done any support myself, but I've supported back. So I asked for support first from friends, really, from running friends. And mm. then I I give the support back and that's how it works. Um, sh- and obviously, the the faster I got, the the faster my supporters have to get. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always the place for the, you know, there's always somewhere for some somebody. There yeah. are people that like to run fast. So like Jasmine and Damien have supported me and always on leg one because they're just twice as fast as me. And then my my really good friends that know what to do when I throw up, um, then they're on the later legs <laughs> um, yeah it's a different kind of support isn't it you know yeah. but, but but you need it all don't you you need all the yeah. different parts of it yeah. so yeah bro and you're saying your number of times you've been supporting i think you've paid your dues nikki spinks with regards <laughs> to giving back and it's it's love but it's lovely that you do i absolutely love that 
You've also, you mentioned the Pyrenees. So let's take a wee trip across to Europe. You've done quite a lot of events in Europe, very successfully as well. Um, a different kind of challenge. You said you're not a fan of the heat. Mm. So do you want to say something about your European adventures? Yeah, I mean, I actually started with Grand Raid Reunion was my first overseas, but I'd sort of forgotten about that one and that went really well. And that was because two friends of mine, Amanda and Andrew Heading, were going out. Um, and they said what a good race it was. And then I think from there I did the UTMB, which I th- that was the, I don't know, when, if you wanted to know about the worst two races, it would be the grand, no, the, my first UTMB, because I basically did the beginner's um, error of setting off quite fast. And you don't do that on a hundred mile. It, you really, it really, really, really come home to hit you <laughs> when you're halfway through. Your quads give up on you, and you're sick and stuff. Um, that was that first UTMB. Yeah, and so I had to go back to make that right, which, yeah, I did. You know, I had a much better um, second UTMB. And then the the other really hard race I've done out there is the Glaze, Tour de Glaciers, which I did last year, because um, mm. that's 450 kilometres and 32,000 metres of climb, but you don't get any support, really. You get less checkpoints than on the Tour de Giants and not as well stock checkpoints and you're self-navigating and the lack of sleep gets to me. And, um, yeah, it's just, I did find that one really hard <laughs> just reiterate that was 435 kilometers with 32,000 meters of climb yeah just for anybody double taken deciding <laughs> <laughs> and- <laughs> up to do that one <laughs> but yeah I you seem to get quite excited there when you were talking about less support less checkpoints is that what mm-hmm. drives you to do things on your own to be self-supported i thought it would be different to try that um Mm. so yeah was it different Um, yeah and i think it would have if i'd known some italian that would have helped because it was a lack of food that really started to affect me because i wasn't able to ask for the food that i wanted or wasn't able to ask what food was actually available um so yeah i started really craving sugar <laughs> ice cream chocolate anything anything any sort of form of sugar i was getting that down but steven it's taken nicky spinks 23 minutes to get to food we've arrived <laughs> yeah, i know i've been wanting to mention it for 20 minutes John's been wanting to mention it for 22. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The the fuel and the the calories that you're burning. Now, you said, Nikki, around about, you know, when you returned to farming, how, you know, the weight kind of just wasn't so much an issue rather than sitting sedentary in an office and, you know, um, going to the biscuit tin or the communal sort of sweeties that appear in offices that you know <laughs> you walk past and just delve your hand into a box of well, miniature heroes or something now like but the, the in, in terms of 
the endurance that you then earn through farming has been a little transferable to the mm. needs for your running um, and also the body being used to craving quite a lot of calories for um, fuel because my um, in-laws are, are farmers um, and especially my father-in-law he needs his three big meals a day to, to get them through and I always often compare it to uh, you know a, a, an ultra marathon of a day for a farmer you know on their feet all day mm. is that something that do you know, am I far off the mark with that no I think that's right you know the more the more active you are the more you need to eat yeah um, and I think the more regular you need to eat so what not more regular but very regular like if it's 12 o'clock that's when my stomach wants some lunch yeah this is a familiar tale um. <laughs> and even though my father-in-law is now a retired farmer, at 12 o'clock his stomach still says, my lunch this better is... be at the table. <laughs> Fortunately, my mother-in-law's soup is of majestic qualities and yeah, is, is always there. Um, but, but I suppose what I'm getting at is the fact that fueling and getting your body used to taking on all these, you know, all this energy and doing it regularly whilst you're you know undertaking quite mm. arduous activity is almost in some respect ultramarathon training or long hill run training whatever you want to to call it yeah i mean you need to you need to figure out what what you can eat really i mean i yeah. went scientific to start with oh yeah okay so i'm doing this event and i need five thousand calories and then you know, you go for all those high calorific foods and then your stomach on the day just rejects them all. And then you go back to eating normal food and rice puddings and things that your stomach on the day says, yeah, OK, I'll cope with that. That's what I'm used uh, to. Yeah. John needs the detail. I, can, yeah. I was, was going to say, let's, need the detail. let's dive into he detail. Demand the detail. Of... And, let, and let, let's go. Recent, you're, um, on the DUV site, there's a Tour de Glaciers and then there's the Ultra Trail of Snowdonia. What, so let's mm. talk about recent. What's in Nicky Spink's pack, drop bag? What, what's your chosen fuel of choice just now, Nicky? <laughs> um, rice puddings always come back. They're always very good, except yeah, except when they're off. I just had an off one in the Cheviot Goat. I, I read that on your Oh, no, it's off. I oh, know I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. Um, it's my fault. I leave them in the fridge for months. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the company's fault. It wasn't like bought from a shop because I never eat them unless I'm racing. But yeah, they're almost there just for the sole purpose of fueling yeah. your, your endeavours. <laughs> Can I ask though? So, I, I do like the detail. Is this a plain rice pudding or has it got jam? Yeah, no, plain so, ones. Okay. And okay. I'm I'm quite unfortunately I I find quite I'm quite fussy. So some people like put cinnamon or vanilla or something in a lot of the European ones they have to stick something else in them like cream or whatever. And yeah, quite foul. The other thing I'd quite like is a I don't know why they don't do it, a ring pull on a can of rice pudding. So you don't ah. have to have your tin opener there as well. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. So I have to use the little pots, but yeah, little plastic uh, pots. Yeah, 
And then I did used to always have a can of Coke in my drop bag, but on the TV at go, I tried Iron Brew. <laughs> Game changer. It's a big smile. Could be. It was nice. <laughs> so, yeah. We've Very always nice. wanted to tag bars in the show. <laughs> so tonight offers us that opportunity. Yeah. And in fact, the guys in the checkpoint were telling me about these. This the iron brew doesn't have as much sugar in it as it used to because of the sugar tax. But That's right. It was good enough for me. It was yeah. yeah. Well, you can get original recipe still in in a, in a not in the cans, but in the seven fifty ml bottles. Not quite as oh, handy right. for carrying <laughs> carrying around. But it can be decanted into a soft one. <laughs> and is it? Only rice puddings, or do you go for like a? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a piece and jam. Would you have something like a, a jam sandwich or anything like that? A um, solid? Maybe pizza. Oh. But... <laughs> got it yeah, definitely something solid. Um, just just a margarita of what's on it. <laughs> Yeah, probably that or a cheese and onion, maybe. Yep. Um, depends how long it's going to be in the drop bag for. <laughs> that would be a consideration. Could be weeks knowing you. Yeah. Baked beans, <laughs> they're always a good option. Ooh. In fact, I've got my, my three go-tos are baked beans, rice puddings or fruit salads, depending on the temperature. So if it's hot, I tend to eat quite a lot of fruit salads. Okay, cool. I still eat my beans cold, but somehow I prefer them when it's cold weather. Yeah. Um, the Tour de Gla- Glaciers Glaciers, I'm not sure the right pronunciation of that, um, but I'm just going to go with that. That seven-day race, I'm going to call it, Nikki. Um, and you were saying, so was there drop bags on that? Could you put stuff forward? What was how much did you have to carry yourself? Was it like what do they call them? Yeah. Life life bases or something they call them over there, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I can't remember how many we actually how many times we got the drop bag, but the big problem was the last time we saw it was was Wednesday morning and we had a hundred miles to do to the finish. Um and I finished on Friday night. So when I changed my T-shirt on Wednesday morning, that was me in my clothes till Friday night. And everything that I had in my rucksack had to do me till Friday night. And we went, well, they actually stopped the race in the end because the weather, the snow came in on on mm. Friday um, and it got really cold. So they actually stopped the race in the end sometime over Friday, Saturday morning. So, yeah, I was actually carrying quite a lot of stuff in my bag because it had to last me three days. Um, yeah. Mm. I very often wear the same clothes from Wednesday to Friday, but well, I'm not always out running in the mountains, you know. Um, how how does it feel to finish a seven-day race? Oh, that was a sense of relief, yeah. But mm. Although I'd got a bit, of, I got really fed up of it. And I decided I was going to run quite fast. And then I tripped over and bashed my nose in the last oh. 10K. The last 10K? Something wow. like that. Oh, I was man. up on the top of the last hill and I could see down. I could see all the lights. 
and I just went flying um, in this little, it was a sort of thin cow path. And I just tripped up and really smacked my nose. And then I was worried because I could see there was blood stuff there was, and I could, I didn't um, bash my knee and I didn't want them to pull me at the next checkpoint. So I sort of really shot in and shot back out again. <laughs> I was like, you can't stop me. You're not allowed to stop me now. There's no way. Oh, man. What was that? Uh, what was that bolt that just came through there? <laughs> oh, just ignore it. It was Nicky wearing invisibility cloak on. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I'm just, before we go somewhere else on the planet, I want. Jet Setting. Yeah, I, I want to come back to the. Arc of attrition last year, start of last year. Mm. We've, we've spoken with Debbie Martin Kinsani about the Arc of attrition. We've spoken with Emma Stewart about the Arc of attrition. What's Nikki Spink's take on the Arc of attrition? The reason I'm going back last year is because you finished first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a great race. It, it was sort of a bit too f- flat. That's what I said at the end and they all laughed because it's got about 5,000 metres to climb in it but the first half to me was like two back-to-back marathon off-road marathons but um yeah it's quite quite flat and I was quite trashed because I don't do that I don't do fast flat running I've never done a marathon but I actually I think I did quite well but my legs ached in lots of places that they've never ached before because of the fast running in the first sort of half and then you get all this really gnarly technical stuff which is just fantastic in the last um well the last sort of you get about 30 miles of it you do 40 miles and then you get this technical gnarly stuff in the dark which was great um yeah no it's a great race yeah most people are doing are thinking the other way around (laughs) nikki's like right i'll endure this 55 miles are just boring stuff and then undulating the, stuff. then the fun the fun starts proper dark gnarly bell shoes on and yeah, <laughs> yeah. love That's it right. awesome okay yeah. are we are we jetting stateside let's go stateside Stephen. let's head over to frozen head state park for the barclay marathon experience um how was it for you nikki this year it was well perfect conditions. I was I can't say it's per. I was going to say perfect, and then of course it's not perfect. I didn't finish, but who did? Well, no, yeah. three people did. But that's, yeah, that's bad. Um, yeah, no, it was. It was. It was absolutely brilliant conditions this year. Cold and clear. I couldn't have asked for anything better, really. And I went to. Well, I was going to say enjoy it, but enjoy the experience as well because I've been. 2019 um it was cold it was it wasn't no the first day was actually hot it was too hot 20 25 degrees or something um and we found i found it really hot and then but that night it dropped to like minus five or something and snowed on us and it was really really cold so the experience wasn't wasn't that great in that I never really looked around. I was just too busy trying to cope with the conditions. Um, and I, it was interesting going back sort of as a veteran, but 
four years later. So I, I wasn't sure what my memory would remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really good to actually run with Billy Reed again, who I ran with, well, who I met at the Barclay on 2019 and who I ran with again this time. Because, yeah, it was much more of a, a team effort this time. Well, no, it was last time, but at least me and Billy had done it this time. And Ian Keith, who we ran with, just such a character. I mean, if you, you haven't had him on here, on your pod, no. No, no we'd love really, to get the chance so, to speak to him. Yeah, he's, so it's the first time I really had a chance to sort of talk in like a lot to him. I passed, maybe, you know, just in passing, I've said words to him, but, you know, to spend sort of 24 hours in his company was just hilarious. Um yeah, it was just great. And his navigation was spot on. So we all we all worked really well um, together as a team, which made it a lot more enjoyable and sort of less stressful. Um, I mean, it was still it was hard work. We did one clockwise loop. Last time I did one clockwise loop and then part of a second clockwise loop. This year we had to do one clockwise loop and then an anti-clockwise. So the anti-clockwise is, you see, I know about going anti-clockwise. I know one way can be easier than the other way. And on this, the anti-clockwise loop is weirdly way harder than the clockwise loop. Mm. Um, some of the climbs were just brutal. And you'd, you'd, you went round them on, you went down them and you didn't think too much of them. And then going the other way, trying to climb back up them, especially in the heat of the day. Yeah, it was, it was just awful. We just, we were trying to go fast sorry. to get, so sorry, we were trying to go fast because we knew we were really near the cutoff. Um, and we didn't, once we knew we were going to be cut off, then we sort of backed off because, uh, and enjoyed the sort of rest of it. But. Yeah, so uh, so I did two loops, one yeah. clockwise and one anti-clockwise, and Emma was supporting me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And your race report is a great read, a fantastic read, and some some <laughs> brilliant pic- some brilliant pictures in there as well. How m- my question? How how much did this being your second visit play a part in your mental preparation? this year yeah it was was really good because I also knew last year we did staying in tents and this year I thought no I'm not you know you've gone all that way you need to go that extra little bit and get a van um for that extra comfort for when it's because it was actually bitterly cold on the night um and that was a good choice to get a van um and yeah it was a lot well I thought my mental preparation was really good. Laz knocked me a bit by giving me number one, but I just mm. then, which, yeah, it was a bit of a like, oh, that was a shit. <laughs> but <laughs> I was actually sat in the car next, and Jasmine was, I was sat in the car, and Jasmine was sat next to me marking her map up. Jasmine and Damien had already gone up to get their numbers, and it was Damien that said, oh, do you know he's giving you number one? And I was like, oh, no. And Jasmine just looked at me and went, and I just thought, I've just got to be more like Jasmine. Who gives a chuff? It's a number. <laughs> That's lies with his mind games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 
it's one of these races that's taken, it's caught the imagination of a lot of people. And probably because of the internet, to be honest, a lot of people have now got access to more about it. But I love the fact that the people that are there in the, it's going to call it the playground, the campsite, um, they totally respect that um, secrecy, maybe it is secrecy, or to keep the integrity of the event you know and to to make it i think is challenging for anybody that's coming in new uh, to do it for the first time i love that mm. and there but there seems to be maybe it was just the last couple of years there seems to have been a bit of an escalation of, of brits going across to yeah. do or, or, or people that i recognize anyway yourself included um got to ask the question we're recording this are you going back nikki <laughs> no i'm not going back <laughs> Not as a runner, no. I'll give okay. somebody else. You know, there's there's only 40 spots. And if I was going to get another one, I think, it, you know, there's probably another worthy woman out there that could probably have a good crack at doing it. And I hope, like I have done with the other rounds, I hope I've just sort of shown what I can do. And mm. there's somebody out there going, well, if she can do that, I could do, I could do five loops. Because I'd really like, you know, a woman to get out there and, and do the five loops. So, um, no, I'll, um, I'll step down from it. It's a long way to go. And I'm pretty sure I can't do five loops or even three loops. So if I can't do two loops in perfect conditions, I think you've just got to say, uh, I'm not in the habit of just going, going to do races I can't finish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So somebody but else step up there and go and do it <clears throat> you're listening emma anytime you're ready just <laughs> <laughs> reading my mind as well yeah but you know what i think it's brilliant because you've hopefully lit a fire in some people's belly planted the seed yourself and jasmine that um let's go and get it done you know it's fantastic yeah absolutely fantastic thank you for speaking about that thank you there are a number of adventures on the list of races and events and adventures that Nikki Spinks has created, participated in and dreamt about. Is there a favourite? Oh, a favourite. Uh, I mean, the Tour de Géants, I think, has got to be up there. I've done it twice now. Yeah. And that second one was just something special. I mean, it was in it was 2021. So and it was sort of special because it was almost so hard to get to because of the COVID. Mm. Uh, and then when I was there, the race just went. I was fitter than what I thought I was. I think I just sat off and I was higher up the field than what I thought I was. And I was chilling out. And, um, and then when I overtook the fourth, the lady that was third and they, this was was it Wednesday or Thursday so it was quite a nice way it was quite a lot enough of the way through that I only had a couple of days to like really came myself <laughs> um, which I did <laughs> to retain that third <laughs> not that I, I don't know where you know I'm not in the habit of looking at my phone and trying to figure out where people are but I, I tried to do that and felt f fell over actually so it wasn't yeah so then I just thought right just cane yourself as much as you can um, 
to get on that podium as third. So it was, yeah, I was super proud of that. Brilliant. Yeah. And as maybe that was a bit of an unfair question to pick a favourite because they've always had a lot of fantastic experiences out there. Mm. But that feeling of you saying like painting yourself is that something that you seek out to do? Do you find that easy to do? Or is that something that brings you pleasure when you're absolutely levering it and giving everything? Uh, it's more afterwards. It's, can't, it's not that pleasurable at the time. Yeah. Um, I think some people are quite surprised how hard I can push myself for how long I can. Um, mm. What drives you on, though? What drives you on to do that? I think I just want the luck. I wouldn't like to finish and think I could have done better. Um, mm. What's yeah. that phrase? Leave nothing out there, is it? That's what they say, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm, if you're in a race and you've got a position, then you want to keep it. So, you know, like last weekend on the TV at Go, I was... You know, you could see headlights running down the road. I was pretty sure they were the two guys that we'd just we'd been running with and we'd only just separated from. But I was like, there could be a woman. I'm not I'm not letting that light, whatever it is, catch me. <laughs> Whoever it is. With like five miles to go. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, but yeah. You mentioned as well earlier, as a wee bit earlier, about highs and lows. How do you, a big part of the intrigue for me with running and certainly ultra running is how people the the mental side of things. How do, do you want to speak about? Well, the the highs are brilliant. Mm. They're, they're the good stuff. Let's speak about the lows, the more challenging things. What does Nikki? How does Nikki Spinks get herself back on board? Well, there's always that with me that I know I'll just come back and do it again. Um, so like the UTS this year, I set off. It was 11 o'clock in the morning. It, it was forecast to be a hot day. And I think it was the first hot day of the year. And you, you don't really know how hot it properly is until you finish and people, supporters are saying it's really hot because you just think it's really hot because you think it's hot because you're running. But no, that was horrendous. It was just, I, I did like six hours, couldn't figure out what was wrong with me at all. Because on the face of it, nothing was wrong with me. <laughs> so then I even started thinking, have I, have I caught COVID or something? And I never do that. I never sort of question whether I've got a virus when I haven't got a virus. But I just felt that shocking. Um, and then the temperature dropped because it got to about five o'clock in the afternoon. But at that point, I was just like, right, you've got two options. You could drop out. Or you can carry on and you don't have to come back again and do this horrible race, which is only horrible because I felt so horrible. It wasn't horrible, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just talk to yourself, talk yourself round. And then obviously, if if for me, if it's possible to finish, then I'll finish. Um, so that's yeah. So on the UTS, I, I carried on. And it, my relief when the temperature dropped and I realised that's what it was. At least I could, I knew what it was and then I could cope with what it was. So I, then I decided, OK, you run 
faster, harder during the night, and then because Saturday was just as hot, you can give yourself some slack when it's hot. You can take little rests as you're climbing up a hill and you're overheating and stuff like that. I've been in, I don't know. I mean, even the Cheviot Go, I, I, that little thought of dropping out came in because I lost my, my, my youngest dog two, two, three weeks ago. And I've just been missing him. And I, was run, I started off and I was sad and I was running along. I thought, I don't want to be here. I want to be running. He loves the snow. I want to be running with my dogs in the snow. I don't want to be doing this race. I'm, um, and I thought, well, you can't just drop out because of that. Nobody would be proud of you. What about all those people that are suffering and, you know, just just stick with it. Uh, and I, I ran into the, and I think that's what, yeah, dropping out is just not an option. And I ran into checkpoint one and Sharon was, Sharon Dyson was there. Uh, as soon as I saw her, I wanted to give her a big hug. Um, and she sorted me out with my iron brew and some flapjack instead of the gone off rice pudding and sent me on my way. And she was like, yeah, the first lady's not, you know, too far ahead. And I knew she really wanted me to catch the first lady. And I I wasn't really, I wasn't really in, in the race. I wasn't really racing at that point. I was just going to finish it. Um, and I, I just ran up to her and gave her a huge hug. And she was like, <laughs> and I ran off. And I felt so much better for having that hug. Uh, so, yeah, and then I, I did really pick up and hardly thought of, you know, my dog after that because, um, yeah, you know, I had a purpose in the race. I was going to finish the race and I was going to enjoy the race. Yeah. Do you okay to speak about your dog? Your dog yeah. obviously the, the dogs will play a big part in your life and your and in yeah. your in your race reports and your general news. Um yeah. do you want to speak a wee bit about your the your running companions, aren't they? Yeah. So uh I can't remember Sue about three years after I started running in two thousand and one, I wanted a running dog and I got one from Huddersfield kennels the council kennels uh for 20 pounds because he was so so skinny and it bless him he didn't want to really be a running dog he just wanted to stay in his kennel where it was safe he didn't want to go anywhere where it wasn't safe bless him <laughs> but he became my first running dog because <laughs> he did love running <laughs> in the end enjoy <laughs> <Yeah>, uh, <laughs> you will enjoy this oh. <laughs> He was so faithful. He was called Scally. <laughs> um, yeah, because he was a little bit of a Scally. Um, and then after that, yeah, there's Wisp. So, I mean, and then I had Tyke, who was like a puppy. Um, but he didn't travel so well, so he wasn't really a running dog. And then I got Wisp, who's, I mean, Wisp's been with me since 2000. I don't know. She's now nearly 12 and she's still doing everything. Um, so, yeah, I got Joss in 2021, 2020. Yeah, he was three. Because Wisp looked to be like slowing down and not able to keep up with me. But actually what had happened was I was doing too many races and I wasn't running with her. And when COVID happened and we were running every day, Wisp was running with me um and she got super fit and I realized actually she wasn't she was able to keep up it was it was my fault not taking her out she got unfit 
so then it was really the perfect situation I had wristband Joss um till Joss just went and died on me just yeah somebody sent me well um Tory from Innovate sent me a photo today of him on the morning of the run Sunday morning and he looks as lively and as happy as ever which is reassuring because I've always I've been worried that I've missed something you know that he was in pain and I hadn't noticed um mm. uh, but yeah no he just looked he, he he was bouncing around on that run like backwards and forwards because he he likes to be up front so he was always up front but then I was at the back so then he had to come all the way back and then he was up front again yeah so it's just a big shock yeah. um ah, yeah it's when it's something that's as as sudden as that especially um, yeah 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 no heart goes out to you Nikki and yeah I'm sure Sounds Thank like you you'll for be... letting me ramble on about dogs. It's no, like it's important. Ram... <laughs> it's okay. It's imp... Companions. It's yeah. 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 And I suppose what it's all about. It's about cherishing the good memories, isn't it? The happy memories. That's yeah. what it's all about. You've had a lot of love, obviously. The dog. Is the name Joss got relevance? Well, it was Joss. I couldn't decide on a name for him when I got him as a puppy, and then he was trotting down the. Um, lane with a stick in his mouth and he just turned around and gave me a little like twinkly sort of look and it just reminded me of Joss Naylor because he's yeah, um, <laughs> he's, yeah got, he's got Joss. twinkly eyes certainly brilliant <laughs> I love that thank you very much for sharing that personal insight thank you Nikki thank Big you very time. much I've him. got something I want to quiz you about of course it's not on the question set so apologies you did the OCO 2000s this year oh yeah so that's the that's that's my my, my right. hills they're not my hills they're other people's but they're my local range of hills i'm pointing that way because they're that way um, yeah yeah and it's uh um you know it's, it's, it's i always say it's quite a wee underrated range of hills you know a lot of people just drive by it on their way to um bigger and higher and maybe more scenic places um but i was speaking to a colleague of mine today dave turner john dave mm -hmm. runs for the um the lomies the lomies the woman held runners um and he said that he'd managed to spend some time just around about where you and angela mudge were and he felt that he was in running royalty so i said that i would check in with you just to acknowledge that moment plus the fact that you were running in my neighborhood in my backyard so to speak um it can be a bit soggy up there yeah it wasn't, you and your element. i don't think it was soggy yeah no <laughs> yeah no it was, it was a good rate it was a, i think that was a warm day as well somebody mm. gave me some coke down at the bottom of that last hill and oh that was just what i needed to get me up that hill nectar that, what's that last steep little thing is that yeah. is it what it's Start is it Stirling Uni? It starts and finishes at the start. Yeah, but finishes there. No, that's the Oco Ultras, John. This oh, is sorry. the the Oco Two Thousands, the hill running race, ah. hill running to other people. Um, so when you and, yeah earlier when you said not everybody knows about me, it's been interesting doing the Scottish races because uh -huh. some people don't know me. It's quite nice. I just turn up and they just treat me like um, any other runner. Ah, that must be nice. No selfie. Yeah. And then other people go, I was in a supermarket in Inverness and somebody says, 
are you Nicky Spinks? It's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> but you did do the Scottish Hill Running Championship this year. Yeah. Yeah, you get your yeah, cup. Yeah, and uh, I did classics as well. Oh, I haven't got a cup yet. Because they were get, giving them out on one of the first ones. And I thought, well, I've only done one, so I don't really yeah. deserve it yet. Yeah, I think you get one yeah. for complete, completing the series. So that'll be completed now. Yeah. So you'll be due a mug. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get Dave Turner on the case. We will, we will. Yeah. Um, so, no, sorry. Just wanted to indulge myself in that. Just the serendipity moment. Yeah. Um, can I take you to, there's an item on your your blog, your website, Nikki, and it's called Winter Mondays. We're now in the, we're officially in the winter and people mm. are getting they their started. longer, people are getting their longer half length tights and trousers out. So capris, yes. day. <laughs> yes. So tell us about Winter Mondays, Nikki. What's, what's involved? Um. Well, I took the series over from Dave Tate in Dark Peak in uh, 2008 or something. And um, so he set it up and I sort of developed it, I suppose. So I've got the website. And um, yeah, so it's a series of. It was really just it was like a little club thing. I think there's about 12 people doing it now because it's still down in in Yorkshire, down uh-huh. around Sheffield, Bolstow. And I'm up here. But um, so it's just a series of races, road road races in winter. But I've introduced the trail races. I introduced those in COVID when we couldn't do the hill training sessions. So I devised these trail races, I call them. But my idea was that each one should have a little bit of navigation in, but not not too much so that you're not going to get lost and need to cowl mountain rescue out. So slightly challenging, and then you get ten extra points for doing it in the dark. So that's the yeah, because but obviously I and because of COVID, um, I kept it was it started being an anytime sort of challenge because initially it was just a Monday night, winter Mondays. We all met, we all did it, but then during COVID when we couldn't meet, I said right, okay, you've got a week to do it. Anyone could just go whenever they can do it some of your time so it's just an honesty sort of thing um yeah there's not really the checkpoints it's all just honesty you know the routes there mm. and people are i mean you you know you're only cheating yourself if you cheat so but yeah, it's quite interesting especially in covid when you're running around on your own and i i was i'm quite good at imagining that keith holmes is just behind me <laughs> <laughs> james gregory's just in front of me <laughs> no, it's good. I, I think it, it's, there's a motivation. There's an and there's also there's an yeah. there, there's an accountability there too. Especially if it's like a league, there's a league table type thing on the go as well. It's really interesting. Yeah. And I love the fact that it was mainly road stuff, but you've introduced some trail stuff. Who would have thought that? Eh? Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you the, very the, much. The Nicky Spinks magic dust has been sprinkled on it with some trails <laughs> yeah. and a bit more vert of it and gnarly <laughs> stuff and throwing some navigation as well. And do it at night. <laughs> do it at night <laughs> yeah, without a head touch. Um, <laughs> all, of, all of that type of thing is making me think about Kit 
you know, innovate athlete, Nikki, right? But don't feel you've got to speak about innovate stuff. That's absolutely totally. You also can if you wish. But what's nice talk we've got on, Nikki? Is, is very nice. What's what's the one bit of kit that you would say you put in your bag, or if you're going for a run? can be training or it can be an event. What's the one bit of kit that you would make sure is always there? Well, it's really hard, that one, isn't it? Because it depends on the time of year. So at the moment, if it was, it would be mitts because my hands get cold. Uh, ah. And Innovate do do some small, warm mitts that are invaluable. And yeah, I was, they were on and off at the Cheviot Goat. So, because it, you know, your hands get quite warm quite quickly in them. But yeah, other than that, I mean, so at the moment, because I've got the spine in a few weeks, um, I'm always looking at the warm kit and they do a, they've got a new jacket out. Well, no, it's not new. I tested one last year called a performance hybrid. And I think that's a really cracking piece of, like for a lightweight jacket, I wouldn't, yeah, that's definitely always in my bag at the moment. Um, and I think it, yeah, it definitely will be for the spine as well. So, yeah, I'm, I do get, it's funny because I don't like running too hot, but I actually get cold as well. But it's a lot easier dealing, well, for me, you just put, you just have to notice you're getting cold before you get cold mm. and do something about it. Ah, um, but there, and there, therein lies the key, Nikki. Um, can I ask about the mitts? Do you do you wear like liner gloves or gloves and then the mitts or just the mitts? No, I'd usually have like normal fingered fingered gloves on and then you just put them in the mitts, yeah. Yeah. It's um, that, dub, that double layer, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the jacket is how heavy is it? Is it wrap upable? Yeah, it's wrap upable. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. I don't have to go run off and put it on the scales. It's on the um, Innovate website, wrap upable. <laughs> I've just invented that, I think. I can see it. <laughs> Is it packable? Yeah, wrap upable. There'll be, be, be marketing people going, why have we never thought about that word? So, <laughs> because a lot of the things on the spine, a lot of the, the photographs that we see on the on the spine, what a segue that was into oh, 2024. I know, it was just the way to say that the door has been booted open. Yeah, um, but a lot of the things we see, people are wearing like bigger, because of the conditions, bigger jackets that don't look wrap-upable. It's like, because you've got them on for quite mm. a long time. So that jacket that you mentioned, that the hybrid one, is that a jacket you would wear on the spine or... Would that be one of your layers on the spine? I think spine? I'd wear the, the thicker thermal, then the, that, the thinner jacket, and then a waterproof um, shell. Yeah. A shell, and then maybe something over that. Mm. Um, I've Best. got one, like the old, I've got um, an Alpkit smock, which is like the old buffalo smocks. So that's yep. um, huge, th but it, that is not packable really. It's you either wear it or you don't wear it. I think or leave it behind because it would take up a lot of my rucksack. Um, yeah, 
Was it this year? The weather was a bit changeable. In yeah. The There's a couple of yeah, blue sky days, set, wasn't there? Yeah, they set off and it was fairly wet and windy down in Marsden. Well, Edale up to. Um, and then it got cold. Well, while it was raining down there, it was snowing on the Cheviot. So they sort of all went up into the snow. So it then got cold. But I think it, it was cold and clear rather than cold and horribly snowy. Mm. I'm excited about this. Interesting. Spine. Are you excited? <laughs> about, are you excited about the spine, Nikki? Yeah, yeah. I'm. I I love the way it goes from Edale up through, up and down, up and down, all Hebden and up down little steep valleys and fields and gates and everything like that. And then you just get further and further into the more and more gnarlier, wetter, boggier, more exposed stuff. Mm. <laughs> just have to do change. the warm-up. Yeah, can just... the proper good stuff. <laughs> you can hear the change in Nikki's voice when she gets to the gnarly stuff. Brilliant. Bring it Brilliant. on. Ah. What, what, um, how, do, how have you prepared for the spine? I know you've done a lot of sort of tough gigs, races, but how have you prepared for the spine specifically? Um, well, I've been out on the route a little bit, but I got, I've been doing um, Scottish classics, actually, the longer races, mm -hmm. because I, I didn't jump straight back into racing after COVID. I sort of, I don't know, chilled out a bit. It was almost like before covid i was racing nearly every week and after covid i thought well what shall i do i don't really i quite like chilling out um <laughs> quite like being at home husband likes me being at home <laughs> and, um, yeah and i like running with my dog so i didn't want to get back into it so the scottish classics were a great way actually and the championships so i stuck all those in my diary and very little else okay. but they 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 really actually complemented it because it's quite a a lot of running in them so for the spine there's a lot more running than what there is say in the bob graham because you know you're not climbing so much of the steep mountains you're actually doing a lot more runnable stuff and that for me was the hard bit so i've been doing a lot more forest tracks which i don't really like but i've got actually a lot better at them when you're better at them then you find you like them a bit more um, do you, side question, <laughs> do you do things like yoga, Pilates, all that sort of stuff, stretchy stuff? <laughs> I've made myself up as strength and, well, it's core stability more than strength and conditioning. And I do mm. that twice a week now because I get sort of just niggles, hamstrings and, yeah. But, yeah. And I think that's important now that I'm getting older and I'm not farming. So when I was farming, I didn't need to do any of that. My core stability was quite good. I was humping bales and stone and dry stone walling and stuff. So, mm. um, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, can we we've mentioned a few times about the, not specifically about the dark, but the sort of navigation. And I know that from social media stuff you've been out and about with girls on hills do you want to speak a wee bit about girls on hills and we'll give them a wee plug yeah 
Yeah, no, I met I met Nancy supported me on a Ramsey um, years and years ago, and that's how I met Kerry. And then when I when they started up Girls on Hills between them, they asked me to do their ultra running weekend, which is usually in the end of October, November. Um, and yeah, that's they're just really organised, and the way that they try and encourage women predominantly onto the hills but they'll guide for men as well <laughs> um but yeah the courses are, are sort of women only which is really it's really nice to get a group of women out there because i think the thing with women is we don't have as much confidence as as men generally so it's more than you need need more encouragement to actually give things a go um mm -hmm. so yeah and then and since what, I moved up to Scotland, of course, I'm only really three and a half hours from them. So it's a lot easier mm -hmm. than seven when I'm. Uh, and just by way of a direct plug, what would you say to any, anybody thinking about getting involved with that? Because a, a lot of people will hesitate. And you're saying that guys are maybe a bit more confident. Guys are also maybe a bit more <laughs> hesitant to say, I'm not quite sure what's happening. I'm fine. I'll be all right. I know what I'm doing. There's a bit of that um, as well. But what, what would you say to specifically ladies then that were thinking about maybe going to go for a girl on, on the hills weekend? Would you encourage them? Yeah, because the courses are really um, open to everybody, the abilities. Mm -hmm. So the runs that they would do. So if there was 12 women, there's always you know a natural split. And then there can be... Um, you know just either different runs or a shorter run but the run that we do we went there's a it's in april going to aaron uh, i mean nancy and me we we organized that one because aaron's well i love nancy's life and i'm really just across the water i just sort of think of it as over mm. there now <clears throat> and yeah that's a really sort of you know, great weekend where um you know sort of 10 12 women get together and we we take them up on the hills and we guide them and then show them some techniques uphill and downhill and with poles and things like that so yeah, oh, yeah. just over that poles that's a whole different podcast episode nikki poles i have to come back maybe <laughs> speak to us about that <laughs> <laughs> um We've already Sorry. had a, a sneak peek into your 2024 or very much the January portion of your 2024. John and I will be thought watching intently um, mm -hmm. of of that particular spine week. It's one of the um, our January highlights, if not our annual highlights, is is watching that. But apart from the spine, Nikki, any other big 2024 aspirations? I don't think so at the moment. No, um, the spine's sort of been all-consuming at the moment. I bet. And uh, yeah, I don't know whether to go back over into Europe. Maybe the Swiss Peaks. Um, yeah. Swiss or Peaks whether to stay in tree. So yeah, explore Scotland some more. It is a, um, a veritable playground out there where your new abode is. Um, yeah. And like you say, three hours or so and you're up in the, the wilds. Um, it's a lot more accessible for 
you than it, it used to be. So beware yeah. all the Scottish record holders. Sticky <laughs> <laughs> route to get you. Um, you know what? We, we should go back. We mentioned the the Chivia go a couple a couple of times being mentioned. We should say that you finished first lady in that event. Yeah. Just, just recently, um, almost two hours ahead of the second place lady. So those lights that you saw, um, and maybe yeah, you were cool. Everyone was good, but you don't know that at the time when it was dark. You know, no. you don't you don't know that at the time. Okay, we've got two final big big questions, Stephen. We do. Yeah. We ask all our guests, Nikki, for a word to throw into our legendary dialect dictionary could be a word that you've picked up along the way something that's used from where you originally come from is there a submission from nikki for the dialect dictionary well i don't know where i heard of this but this is it's frame yourself um, and i looked it up today and it's definitely it's very yorkshire and it means get a move on or sort yourself out or yeah, so you say, you generally say it's somebody else, but I often say it to myself when I'm um, slacking or faffing or something. I just think, yeah, you just got to frame yourself a bit, sort yourself out, get going with this. So that's frame yourself. Frame yourself. I can tell you've not heard about it. I've so, not. Yeah. You've described it really well, and I know exactly. It's like, get a hud of yourself. That's what I'd say. Exactly Stephen. that. Get a hood of yourself, mate, because you're making an arse of this. <laughs> Something like that. Is that how I'm, I'm receiving it? Yeah. yeah. I was gonna I was gonna ask you earlier on when we spoke about lows and about that mental resilience, if you had any mantras. I suppose that could be a sort of mantra. Frame yourself, mm. Nicky Spinks. For the love of God, come on. <laughs> Um, I'm going to run that past our Yorkshire correspondent. We have a Yorkshire correspondent, Mel Sykes, and yep. I'm going to run that past Mel to see what she comes back with. Yeah. So, um, thank you <laughs> for that. that. Mel's a bigger authority on Yorkshireisms than Nikki, by the way. Oh, she might challenge that. You know? <laughs> she's, a, she's a strong woman, as is Nikki. <laughs> but um, thank you very much, Nikki. And our final question for you of the of the, this episode is a song we've got a very eclectic mix of tracks that guests have nominated for listeners pleasure sometimes people get fed up listening to us surprise surprise and they'll rather listen to either nature or maybe a playlist so we've got we're on currently on collection volume six yeah. what what song or track would Nikki Spinks like to add in for our listeners' pleasure? Well, as soon as I thought of this, just at the moment, it would be St Elmo's Fire by John Parr, because it's just a song that I've always liked. And I think when I'm thinking of my dog, I just think that's where he'll be on top of a mountain. Um, so I think that's a tribute to, to Joss as well. Brilliant. It's a bit of an anthem, that one, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's a rousing, upbeat, heart-pumping, yeah. let's, let's go. Brilliant. I love that. Thank you very much, Nikki. We'll get that added to the playlist. It's already Thank added. You. It's done. It's done. Okay. It's there. 
Elfesz, elfesz, mája. Nicky, this has been so quick. Honestly, the time has just flown in. We, you started off and you were talking about when you were starting to think about doing training, about you said you do the same, you stay the same. You've not stayed the same. It's always, it's like you've sought out these challenges to push yourself and I love that and I hope that people listening in will think we've got to push yourself. Debbie Martin Kinsani, I think it was, said to me, the first person I remember saying, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable and that's when we find out we push that limit, push that limit, push that again. An amazing, absolutely amazing career in running that's maybe just getting started. You know, there's lots more. There's lots more to come. So I want to thank you very much for your time. I'm going to hand over to Stephen, but I want to say our very best wishes for the spine and whatever else comes thank next. You. Thank you. Stephen. Oh, thank you very much, Nikki. Just echoing just what John said. Thanks for giving up your time and, um, you know, to talk to us and, you know, just hit us with some of your wisdom and, I think that it's the it's the simplicity of it that comes over to me is is you know it's not over complicated. You're doing something that you love and it's so apparent that you're doing something that you love and, and that you're you're grateful for. And I think, you know, I can take something away from that and I'm sure all our listeners will as well. So thank you so, so much. We'll hopefully you. catch you yeah. out in the Scottish Hills at some point. It would be an absolute Definitely. honor. Thank you so much.